We're going to read a few verses here in Romans chapter number 8, and then we'll make our way to the next chapter. But in Romans chapter 8, and we're going to start reading in verse number 35 of Romans chapter number 8. Romans 8, and in verse number 35. The Bible says here in Romans 8, verse number 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, persecution, or famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword? I'm going to pause a second. I've been teaching my Sunday school class on the great love that God has for us. and The love of God is amazing. You know, when you look at that, verse number 35, we've always, I don't I don't, maybe it's just me, but I've always been like, you know, if these things come into my life, God, His love will always be there, and that's true. But I want you to look at that verse also in light of this, that sometimes when these things come into our life, that's when we doubt the love of God. God doesn't want us to doubt that love. Just because God loves us doesn't mean we're not going to have tribulation. But because He loves us, He'll see us through the tribulation. Just because God loves us doesn't mean we won't have distresses. We will. But God's love will see us through it. God loves us doesn't mean we'll not have persecution. We will. There may be times of famine, nakedness, peril, sword. But because of God's love, we will, He will see us through all of these things. Because there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Verse 36, as it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. What an amazing love God's love is. Nothing can separate us from this unbelievable love. We, You and I, we should rejoice in the love of God. Uh, when we think about the love of God, it should remind us of the love we should have for others. It should revive our cold hearts. It should make us love other people. Uh, it should bring us, as we talked about in Sunday school, our confidence in Him and in His Word. It should remove fear from our life. It should uh, cause us to look more forward to the return of Christ. Uh, it should leave us in a place where we're ready to stand before Him at that judgment day. The love of Christ, we could talk about it. There's so, so many songs written on it. I think one of my favorites and so familiar is the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole. 
though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure. The saints and angels' song. What a great love God has for us. We ought to rejoice in that love, be so thankful for that love. Yet, I believe so many Christians today, we are partakers of that, and we're recipients of that love, and, but we don't share it with other people like we should. That love should be something that we want to tell everyone about. And my Sunday school lesson this morning was in 1 John chapter 4, verse 13 through 17, but the love of God, when we realize it and perfect it in our life, we will want to testify of the Father's love to everybody. We'll want to confess this love and be a witness for this love. It should stir in our heart a desire to tell other people how selfish of it is when we experience and know the love of God, but we don't share it with somebody else. We should rejoice in this love. It leads us to the next chapter, which a lot of times we kind of separate and don't connect, but Paul continues his writing, talking about the great love of God. And his next statement, chapter 9, is amazing. He says, as he continues, I'll go back to verse 39, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. His next statement is such a powerful one. He basically says, I, I'm telling the truth here. Holy Spirit knows my heart. What I'm about to say is going to sound too hard to believe, but it's true. Verse 2, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh who are Israelites, to whom pertaining the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers of, of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forevermore. Amen. Paul makes a statement. He's talking about how great the love of God is and nothing can separate us from this love. And God's love is amazing. And there's, we rejoice in this love. And he says, but I'm telling you the truth. what he said that he was willing if he could to take damnation upon himself his countrymen would be saved that is a burden a burden that I don't think that we can say of a truth through the Holy Ghost that we share. John Bunyan, where she wrote Pilgrim's Progress, a great preacher and a man of the faith, said this about this passage. He said, quote, I often feel while preaching that I could give my own salvation for the salvation of my hearers. Charles Spurgeon talking about John Bunyan and that exact quote 
said this. Charles Spurgeon said, quote, And I pity the man who has not felt the same. Please don't think bad of me. I've not felt the same. I desperately want people to get saved. Thought of being willing to exchange salvation for to be eternally damned. That's it. I'm not saying I won't make that statement ever. That'd be awful hard to say. If you can stand and say that, amen. But when I read that, that is such a challenge to me. A burden. As we enter this new year, I'll say a lot more about it tonight. And I'm praying that God will give us a greater burden for the lost. A burden kind of like what Paul is talking about. What a challenge when you read chapter number 9, these first few verses. We could get to a place like Paul that says, I'm willing to be damned if it meant the salvation of my brothers. I desire God to give us this kind of burden. And I think that will come from prayer, investing, the walk with the Lord. When I read this passage, I kind of think we get a, a glimpse of how Paul could have a burden like this. So as a good foundation going into a new year, I thought, God, give us this burden. Let's, let's look here how Paul could possibly make a statement like he did in chapter number 9. How can we have a burden like this that Paul shared? A couple things to think about. Number one, just think of these with me. I think he can make such a statement because of God's love. Because of God's love. He, what he says chapter 9 in the first three verses is his response to his meditating on the great love of God in chapter 8. Knowing that love, knowing the love that in verse number 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? When you realize the great love that God has for us. When you read the previous verse, who is he that condemneth that is Christ that died? Verse 34, he read her, and again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. What a great God we have. What a God that prays for us. A God that gave himself for us. A God that, that promises his love has always been there. His love is there. And he'll never quit loving us. When you meditate on this love, knowing that love, how can we not have a burden to tell someone who doesn't know about it? How selfish of us. When we realize all of us today should be able to say, I am humbled and thankful for the love of God. 
What an unbelievable... I mean, literally we couldn't describe it today if we tried. In the, the hymn that I you know, shared there, the, all the oceans were the inkwell, right? And we used every stick on this earth to, to dip in that ocean and try to write about the love of God. We drained the ocean dry. I know it's just a man's hymn, but it's a pretty good picture. We cannot describe the love of God. We cannot fully give him the glory that he is worthy of for the unbelievable love. You say, well, God loves us. Do you know who you are? I know who I am. And to know that God has always loved me, does love me, and he'll always love me. Our thought of love is so messed up in this world because of all the perversions that are out there, because of the old conditional loves that seems like is in everyone's life, that it's hard for us to understand this unconditional love, this love that will never end, this glorious love. And to know this love and not want someone else to experience this same love, how could we possibly not want that? Aren't you thankful for the love of God in your life? I mean, it's just unbelievable. You stop and see how God has shown his love for us. And, and not just obviously with salvation, but every day in your life. He daily loads us with benefits. He daily shows us his love. He wants us to know his love. His love is so wonderful. His love is so great. And you and I, we sometimes, let's be honest, we take it for granted. Let's stop this morning and be in awe and stand in awe at the great love that God has for us. A love that was able to look at His only Son and send Him to this earth to be handled, touched, abused, stricken by man because He loves us. To be able to share, like in Isaiah, that as the Father in heaven watched His Son go through the crucifixion, you'll be able to say the statement, it pleased the Father. That's beyond our comprehension. Beyond our comprehension. I mean, I love my children. And the thought of, not just this thought, it's ludicrous to me, that I would sacrifice my children for a stranger that hates me. That's not conceivable in my mind. Even much less people that, you know, I love Brother Joshua sitting back there. I love him. And he knows this, and I've said it before. I love him dearly. But the thought of someone saying, all right, it's either Hope's life or Joshua's. See you in heaven, buddy, right? I think every parent in this room, sure. That's someone I love. To know that God would allow His Son to come to this earth and allow people that hated God, hated His Son, allow Him to spit on Him and curse Him and mock Him, their Creator. That's a love that's hard to understand. But that's the way He loves us. Well, how can we experience this? His burden, I believe... And let's look at the verses again. I, I, I think here in chapter number 9, Paul, Paul's burden starts with this, the people that he had around him. He said, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren. The people around him. 
How can we have this kind of burden? It's really simple. It starts with having a burden for our neighbor. It starts here this morning in the service having a burden that there's anyone in this room that does not know Christ as their Savior that our hearts are hurting for them. It is our burden. We've gotten to a place in so many of God's churches and I've been guilty and I suspect many of us are. That we come to God's house having not prayed for that lost soul to be saved today. Praying that someone who got a track this week, someone who saw a flyer this week, will step in these doors and sit in these seats and hear the gospel preached and, and run to a Savior that loves them and, and that Savior will forgive their sin and, and wash it all away and they'll be gloriously saved today just like I got saved. That they might have a relationship like I get to have a relationship. That they will have a home in heaven like I have a home in heaven. Have we prayed for that today? Have we called out to God for that today? For our neighbors, our co-workers that we see every day, those contacts that we have, those friends, the people at the at same coffee shop that you stop in, have we shared, do we have a burden for them? It starts with having a burden for the people that we have around us. As God told us, for the Lord ascended, we should be witnesses first in Jerusalem. Do we have a burden for Goshen, our neighbors, but the people that we have around us, and then I find it interesting, the people that hate us. He says, I could wish that myself were a curse for Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Who are Israelites. Yeah, what do you mean the people to hate you? Well, who wrote this? I know the Holy Spirit, but who penned these words? Do you know every time he went into a city and tried to see people get saved and a church get started? You know who it was that started the riots? You knew it was that led the riot to drag him out and cast stones on him, leave him for dead. You know it was? It stirred up the leaders of every city, tried to have him captured, arrested, put to death. It was the Jews. That's who he's praying for. The people that hated him. The people that sought to have him killed. The people that would have found such joy and watching some stone crush his head and him die. He said, I would wish myself, if I could, to be accursed, damned forever, if they could be saved. It starts with having a burden for the people around us and having a burden for those people that do not like you. That's hard for us. Those people that make fun of you for being a Christian, those people who want nothing to do, family members who scorn and mock what you believe. Asking God this year for a burden for them like never before. 
asking God to change your heart for them. Anyone that you have around you, the people that hate you, anyone that will hear you, my kinsmen according to the flesh, anybody that's around here, if people can just see, listen to me, that you care about them. I don't know if I'm testifying or challenging me or you. We need that burden. A burden that keeps us up a little bit later at night because we're praying for those people that we know are not saved. That burden that makes us carry a track in our pocket because we're expecting God to hand that to someone today. We need that burden. And when we realize the great love that God has for everyone, those that hated Him, and anyone that would hear Him, He showed them that He cared. He showed them He was compassionate. He showed them, and when people know that you care, they'll care about what you say. I want this kind of burden. As we go into this year, I want God to challenge us this year. I want God to give us this burden. That doesn't mean we're sad. Paul's just been rejoicing in the great love that God has for us. Paul's not depressed. He's not tripping over his bottom lip. He's not woe is me. But what he is, he's rejoicing. He sees all the greatness of God's love and his salvation. There's no condemnation, the home in heaven. And he realizes all these things and he says, but I have such a burden these people around me, they don't know this love. This burden starts with understanding the love of God, God's love. But then I believe also it's because we can get this burden if we get a vision of God's law. I'm not preaching anything new. It says in verse number one, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, my conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost. He understands something. That's why he has this great heaviness and continual sorrow. Because he understands something. He understands what he's been talking about. Look in Romans chapter number 8, verse number 1. Just back a page. Romans 8, verse number 1. Now if you're saved, this is us. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. What a blessing. Amen. He that believeth is not condemned. If your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no condemnation. Praise the Lord for that. He that believeth not is condemned already. This, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I believe another reason why Paul had this burden is because he understood God's law. The law of the spirit of life and the law of sin and death. So what is that law of sin and death? It's very simple. The wages of sin is death. Sin brings death. Sin brings destruction. That is a law. God will not break 
His law. God's law is sin, and the wages of that sin is death. Now, if that's all I had to say today, we'd all be in a really, really bad spot. But there is the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Those who understand that because of my sin, because I'm a sinner, and all of us in this room, we're all sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. Every one of us have come short of the glory of God. Every one of us are sinners, and we are deserving of the law of sin, which brings death. And that death is revelation. It talks about it that the second death is the lake of fire. That's what we deserve. But praise the Lord for the law of the spirit of life. Christ Jesus came. You see, the demands of our sin had to be paid for. That's a law. The law of sin and death. We had, our sins had to be paid for. Shane Davis is sitting here. Mike's sitting there. Uh, Joshua's sitting there. Three different lives, three different backgrounds, three different... There's a whole lot of differences in those three men sitting right there, right? But they're all sitting here today because they have come to a place where they understood that he's a sinner, he's a sinner, he's a sinner. He deserves the lake of fire. He deserves the lake of fire. He deserves the lake of fire. He was raised from the time he was born in a Christian home that taught him the truth. These guys came to it. But they all three were just as much condemned. Same condemnation. They all three need to be, their sin demanded death. And Jesus came for the purpose of dying, not just for those three men's their sins, but for the sins of the whole world. He paid the penalty for our sins. The only question is this, will you receive Will you receive the payment that was made for your sins? You see, there came a time in my life, for me it was 14 years old, when I realized and I knew I was a sinner, I deserved death, I deserved that lake of fire, but Christ died for me. See, the law of sin and death, it wasn't broken, it was paid for. Jesus paid for it. And when I received that, a new law took part in my life. A new law took over. I no longer lived in condemnation. I no longer lived dead in my trespasses and sins, Ephesians says. I no longer was walking daily in my life, living under this darkness and this condemnation that I was heading towards hell. The day that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I received that my penalty of sin had been paid for by Jesus Christ. By the way, when he arose from the grave, it showed he's the first fruit. He conquered everything about Amen. sin and death. Amen. And the moment that I accepted him, a new law took over my life. He gave me a new birth. I became spiritually alive. I have life. I am placed in Him. And that life is everlasting. That life is eternal. It will never end. I will be with the Lord for all of eternity because of Jesus Christ. Paul understood these laws. 
Paul understood these things are true. So how could he not weep for him across the street? How can we not have a burden for that lady and their kids? How can we continually see the same people every day and never mention him? How can we entertain ourselves to death and not have a heart to tell somebody? I mean, who... Who can we stand up today and say, I'm so thankful in 2023 I was able to lead who to the Lord? Amen. It starts with a burden. And we understand God's love and amazing that what God's law is, God's love is. And but we understand God's law. That there is sin, there is death. That law is true. It's not been done away with. And those who die in their sins will face the lake of fire. But I think there's one more part to this that allowed him to have a burden. And that is because of God's longing. When we understand what God wants to do in other people's life, it's the heart of God. And this that, that God is reaching out to people I mean, I'm standing here right now. I just looked out that window right there. Our neighbors are out there in the backyard and they're walking. Have we told them? Before Matt and Ashley came over to our church, I was doing the Milford route and I just thought of this and was a little girl that we started picking up across the street from their church. <laughs> and I don't know if Matt remembers, but I called him one day. I was like, can we turn our bus around in your church parking lot? Because we pick up a girl in the front of the house. And he, he laughed. He's like, of course, yeah, go ahead and turn the bus around. He goes, and then he, he told me the statement. I don't know if you remember. He was just like, he's like, boy, that's a pretty bad testimony for a church. Well, there's our neighbor. About 10 months ago, we all got really stirred up because our neighbor lady came across the street needing help. It was really adamant about making sure she was protected. Well, we should have been. We reached out to her. I'm not pointing a finger. I'm saying we need a burden. Because God wants that guy to be saved. Amen? Aren't you glad you get to experience the love of God? He deserves it too. He deserves it too. I'm saved today because I came to a point I understood God's law. My sin demanded death. But praise the Lord for the spirit of life and that law that gave me I was born again and gave a new life. Jake read it this morning. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Aren't you thankful for that? That should give us a burden. And then to know what God wants to do. Now, 
I'm going to close reading this in chapter number 9. But he talks about Israel. I, that is the context. He's talking about the Jews in verse 4, 5, and 6. Without a doubt. And, but we're I don't, not sitting in a room full of Jews today. But that application in the word of God here can be applied to us in so many ways. And I want you to see this. He, he has this burden that he shares in verse 2 and 3 for his brethren, for his kinsmen, and then in verse number 4, who are Israelites. And then he goes, and here's why. Here's what God wants to do in their life. Here's, what, here's the reason why I need to reach them, why I have such a burden. Read it with me there in verse number 4. To whom pertaineth the adoption? God wanted to make them his children. That same thing can be said about us. Praise the Lord for that. The moment you got saved, you were made God's child. We were adopted into God's family. Isn't it great to be part of God's family? Isn't it wonderful to be able to say he's my father? Isn't it wonderful to know how much a father takes care of his children? Isn't it great to know he protects his children? He provides for his children. He's watching out for his children. It's such a wonderful thing to say he has adopted me into his family. It is such a glorious thing to say I am a child of God. What a blessing that is. God wants to do that for him. As much as he wants to do it for me. Knowing this adoption... Paul said, I've got to tell them because God wants to adopt them too. The adoption, the glory. You know why I'm saved? You know who gets the glory for my salvation? Let me tell you something. I can't do anything to earn my way to heaven. The best of my works, the Bible says, are still filthy rags compared to His holiness. It is not by works of righteousness which we have done. According to his mercy, he saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works. I cannot earn my way to heaven. I cannot be good enough. Because the standard is God's holiness, and I messed that up in the first few days of my infant life. He said, oh, come on. Oh, I'm in. I was a liar when I was a kid. My mom would testify. My mom, she abused me when I was young. She used to wash my mouth out with soap. Ugh. Ugh. But guess what? I quit saying certain things, right? Because that was nasty, right? Nasty. Why did she? Because I was a sinner. A sinner. But I'm going to heaven today. That's awesome. So you've been good enough? No. I'm still battles this wicked flesh every day. When I get to heaven, I will not, the Bible says, lest any man should boast. If it was based on what we did, we'd all get to heaven and pat ourselves on the back. Because we love patting ourselves on the back. I mean, yesterday, you know, my wife gotten some Christmas presents and I had some Kohl's cash. Don't you love that? What? They just take advantage of us. You know what they're doing, right? 
But I had this cold cash, and it was going to expire today. And I was like, well, I can't go on Sunday. I'm too busy. And I was just like, and my wife was gone. I was like, I'm going to go into Kohl's. I'm using this $50 in cash. And I got me a new outfit. I put myself in that outfit. I, I took a picture of myself and sent it to Alex. Didn't I, Alex? He's like, nice threads. I was like, thank you. I was proud of myself. It all matched. It was a good outfit. Uh, you know, I was... We have no problem. Say, why'd you tell that story? Because we have no problem patting ourselves on the back. We love to say, look what I did. I'll, I'll tell on Alex. After the alumni game, I get a phone call. I'm on my way home. I answer the phone. Alex is like, that was fun tonight. I was like, yeah, it was fun. He goes, I did pretty good. I was like, you did? He knew all the stats. He told me how many points he had, free throws, how many rebounds, and how many assists. I was like, who keeps track of that? Right, yeah, right? He goes, yeah, it was fun. I did pretty good. I was like, yeah, yeah. We love to pat ourselves on the back. When we get to heaven, none of us are going to say, I did pretty good. We are all going to have one shared opinion. I do not deserve this, but glory to God. He sent his son. He did this. He saved me. And every saved person in this room, you are a testimony of the glory and the greatness of God. Paul said, oh, I wish that they would get saved because God wants to show himself great in their life. Think about who said that. If God got glory through the conversion of anybody, Saul, Paul, is one of them. He was a persecutor of the saints. He arrested and condemned and put Saul people put to death just because they were Christians. And God changed him. And God saved him. He said, I would wish myself to be accursed if God could get more glory through them. God wants to get glory, not just in our life for saving us, but for everybody. <clears throat> I think you get the idea. Look at the verse. In the covenants. <laughs> I understand the Jews. and But you understand your Bible separating the two. The Old Testament and the New Testament. That word testament means covenant. And the Old Testament was what it was and had the sacrifices that look forward to the, what Christ would do. This new covenant that we have is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. His blood was shed once and for all. There is no more need of any sacrifice. God made a covenant with us that all who put their faith in him and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, they can have eternal life. I'm thankful for that new covenant. I'm thankful for the blood of Christ. I'm thankful for what God has promised with us. And I am so glad to be able to say that I've accepted that and I stand on that covenant. And that covenant is for him too. It's for her too. In the giving of the law, the Jews have been made known the truth. They had heard it. They were recipients of it. And I, and I understand what he's saying for the Jews, but the application is this. I look back there at my nephews. I look here at my children. I look at me. I grew up in a place I was given this truth to. I was shown it. First words my mom said to me, Travis, Jesus loves you. That's all I've known. I've been raised in this. What great opportunity. Mom and dad, if your children haven't yet accepted Christ as their Savior, 
And you realize the adoption that is waiting for them and the glory that can be in the covenant that's been made and the giving of the law. They've got it. They've heard it. I'm thankful that I heard the truth. Faith cometh by what? Hearing. How's he going to have faith? preaching down at Hope Baptist down there with Brother Slee for their missions conference and I started preaching and as I was preaching about reaching the community I just noted as I was staring out the back doors back there you can see right through them this 12 year old kid went by on his bicycle in the middle of the sermon I said that kid right there he needs Christ and I don't know what that kid was doing, but he went back and forth in front of that auditorium building probably 15 times while I was preaching. And every time he went by, I'd pause and say, there's that kid again. He needs Jesus. And the only way he or that boy, the only way they're going to come to know, they've got to hear it. That's our job that they might hear. This is the service of God. 